One, and we're live. You're tuning to the Cosmic Children Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have a really interesting and fascinating individual to studio with me. MJ, um, for those who might not know who you are or might not have seen uh, the type of content you have done, how would you describe what you do to them? Oh, well, hi, everyone. My name is MJ and thank you, Kevin, for having me here. So I run the channel called Just Keep Thinking and it is a social media channel where we create content, uh, mainly videos based on anything to do with science. So educational videos, but entertaining at the same time. And we post on all social media platforms such as YouTube, TikTok, Facebook and Instagram to really try and reach out to the mainstream audience and share with them, you know, the world around them and the knowledge of science. Yep. So uh, before we jump uh, or before we go deeper into things, I have to ask, what is the origin of the name uh, Just Keep Thinking? Because I think that immediately uh, kind of sets, uh, gives gives the audience like a question or like gives them something to ponder about. So what was the origin of that? And were you contemplating other names uh, before deciding on that? Oh, definitely. I'm sure that's like the number one problem for most companies. Yeah. Like, what name do I come up with, you know, that will last forever? Yeah. Um, so we did come up with, a, we knew we wanted to do create a science channel that is fun, educational, um, and we want a name that sticks. But we're also thinking more like the longevity aspect of it and um, the business potential of it. So if we focus too much, like, uh, I mean, I, I want to do a lot of things regarding nature and wildlife, but if my channel is named as such, right, then mm. I'm only restricted to mm. doing those kind Fair. of content and I cannot do others. And I want to do others also. And I'm generally just interested in science in general. So we're, we're thinking of it, of the name a lot. There was like brain pop, science pop, like, oh, uh, like brain farts. Even. <laughs> and they were like, oh, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, just keep thinking, just keep thinking. And then, hey, just keep thinking and yeah. it's a nice tone to it we don't we don't really restrict ourselves to a certain like topic or subject and we also uh, the name is like we just want people to think a bit more about the issues around them the world around them and we don't want to be preachy at all so we don't tell them what you should do and what's uh, right or wrong we just wanted to ponder about things and make the decision themselves so that's how we came up we just keep thinking yeah yeah so i have to i have to ask um it seems as though uh, curiosity is like the driving force with a lot of the content that you put out and a mm-hmm. lot of the videos I've seen. Why are you so curious and so fascinated with science in general? What What is it about science that is fascinating and uh, stokes and stokes the imaginative uh, curiosity of yours? Well, science is all around us, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the motto that I kind of live by since I was a, a kid. So I was interested in science ever since I got my first mini encyclopedia from my mom. Then okay. I was like five and she passed me an encyclopedia. So encyclopedia is like, they have everything inside. Then I was just like reading, flipping through it. And basically everything around me, it's, you can scienceify it. Mm. So scienceify. Yeah. Is that even a word? Scienceify. <laughs> no, I don't think Oxford accepts it, but <laughs> you know what? Yeah. yeah so uh, like there's material science, you know, the, when you look up in the sky, the clouds, the sun, when you look around you, nature itself, it's, there's a lot of scientific aspects to it. Uh, even like digital media, there's, the science behind it, um, Google search engine, everything that's a scientific aspect to it. So I realized that, you know, the more you know about the world around you, like life is just much more colorful because you make sense of things. Uh, everything becomes clearer. And the more curious you are, then I don't know, life just becomes more interesting and fun. And it's good to know the things around you, especially when it comes to the day and age where there's misinformation around yeah. and you don't know who to trust, who to believe, mm-hmm. but knowledge is power. And that's yeah. why I feel like science is really my passion and I hope to spread that with everyone else. Yeah. Spoken like a presidential candidate. Wonderful. 
so, <laughs> so it's interesting that you equate science uh, with understanding the world around you because mm-hmm. I feel that for a lot of people, we go through the education system and science usually boils down to three uh, main subjects, either uh, physics, chemistry, or biology. Mm-hmm. And we kind of don't get uh, uh, interaction with it or we kind of don't get more understanding or information about it post the education system because we go into uh, our different fields of work, our, our different uh, jobs and everything. And there isn't that much interaction with science as a, as a topic or as a subject. So has it always been in the cards for you to want to do something uh, science-related with your profession? Because even science itself is a very vague and big term. It's a, it's, it's a big umbrella term, yeah. Uh, for me personally, definitely uh, when I started learning about science subject, I think everyone learns it when they're primary three. Uh, I knew immediately I wanted to have- Immediately? A- yes, yes, yes. I was like, yep, that's it. Definitely science. Uh, it's one of the subjects that I aced all the way while I ignore my other subjects. Sorry for sorry to my maths and like mother tongue teacher. Yeah. yeah, I was only focused on science and in particularly biology. So mm. when I entered secondary school, I took triple science. Yep. Just to have an experience how like learning all three sciences are. And I was like, yeah, physics maybe is not for me. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did well in it, but uh, I particularly loved biology. And I knew that I wanted to do something biology in the future. Uh, and when I was JC, I actually, I think they teachers make us write a letter to our future selves. I was like, you know what? Do okay. they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they kind of do all that, you know, like what is what are your dreams? What's your goals? It's like, okay, I'll write it. And I remember just like, you know, I love biology a lot. I love science in general. I'm going to do something to do. Uh, some, I'm going to do a career in science. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it has been stuck with me throughout and I've always kept that curiosity within me. So I question like a lot of things around me and then I learn along the way and I enjoyed the whole process of it. I think scientific inquiry is something that develops my critical thinking skills. Mm as well uh, and right now I mean honestly I when I went to university I was like oh am I going to be a science researcher is that the only job that I have mm. and I didn't really enjoy it because I was restricted to a lab setting okay uh, yeah okay. a laboratory setting and like yeah I think that's not it for me um, so afterwards I became a science teacher Mm. actually yeah yes. and I enjoy teaching a lot also I think there's very there's various ways that you can apply science even without you being uh, in the field uh, and it's really more about you know throughout the whole process of learning science the, the soft skills that you you gain along the way like being critical about things questioning things asking for evidence I mm. think that is not something restricted to like you, you don't have to be in a scientific job to have that like whichever job that you are at those skills are very important yep. yeah so I think that's how everyone can apply the scientific techniques that they have learned you know in the past it might not seem there's, there's no direct application yep. but it does come in handy and you might not even realize it yeah so mm. to take a little bit of a tangent how does one uh, start uh, applying that that scientific method that you that you you just mentioned into I guess the everyday is it uh, is, is it as, as straightforward as a series of questions to to examine and to observe certain uh, stimulus or things that happen or is it something else entirely? Oh, I mean, there's, I can come up with a few examples. Some are really like rather direct, some some, some are not. So mm. I think one of the most um, prime example would be during the COVID period mm. where there's misinformation, or misinformation around yep. and people are afraid of vaccination, which is critical in order for the nation to really protect itself. Yeah. Um, yes, and then I think that's where the scientific knowledge comes into play. You can easily tell for maybe the older generation who do not have the... Um, the financial means to actually study or complete their education, yep. um, they tend to fall into all this misinformation mm. and 
rumors or gossips around like, you know, vaccinations yep. going to turn your DNA. Yep. Yeah, but those with the scientific knowledge, they know that that's not true. Uh, they know, you know, vaccination, uh, whatever that goes in, they will break down, but, you know, your immune system actually um, becomes stronger. Mm. So, and then the, the country really has to put in a lot of effort in trying to reach out to this other group of people who might not be as educated yep. as the rest of the community. So I think that's where I really see the importance of science knowledge. Uh, and it comes when it comes to life and death situations such as the COVID situation, yep. right? It really plays a part in seeing whether the country really successfully overcomes this obstacle. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that presents a very interesting tangent. I would love to, to, to get your perspective on about misinformation because um, it feels as though because everyone, because because the means of, of putting out content these days is so uh, intertwined with how we live our lives, that anybody can put out any any form of content without uh, any editorial oversight and just say whatever they want, and that kind of perpetuates a lot of uh, information and sometimes misinformation mm. as well. And with regards to science, do you feel that it's the responsibility of the scientists to uh, put out? right information so as to combat the misinformation. What what are your thoughts on that? Because that is uh, a common problem these days with regards to misinformation about science, about uh, vaccination, about practically any any part of the society, actually. Oh, I mean, in an ideal situation, of course, we would love the scientists to come out and combat every misinformation that is out there. But scientists themselves are really busy people and um, when they sign up to be a scientist I guess they expect themselves to be really doing pure research and churning out research papers which is what they are supposed Mm. to do and really expanding uh, our scientific knowledge like global scientific knowledge Mm. so it's not really their responsibility to be the science communicators Mm. Uh, and I guess that's why science communicators such as myself we are that's how, how we play a role in mm. this field. We try to communicate the science to the mainstream audience and we try to be that bridge uh, between the scientific community and the mainstream audience community. Yep. And I think, um, and not only us, you know, like even things like newspaper articles, they play a role. Um, scientific scientific journalism, scientific, science journalism plays a role as well. Mm. Yeah, so I think there's different players within the same field. And we all form this ecosystem and we all help one another to help to bridge the gap. And there's always going to be misinformation around. It's yep. very difficult for the scientists to combat them all. Mm. Although I do see uh, like with, you know, social media being more accessible nowadays yep. and more platforms are like, some platforms are easier to use. So I do see a lot of scientists coming out and sharing what they know and they've been gaining a lot of following for mm. that. And I think that's, that's a good good sign because they are the ones with the credentials and um, most of the time whatever they say um, it's more or less true they provide the scientific evidence for it they show the articles and that's where you know you can trust them a little bit more than other people who might not have the same credentials yeah I have to ask um, have you ever fallen a victim to misinformation before or have do you always do your own research (laughs) about certain I'm just curious yeah Uh, do you remember an experience or like a time back Oh, actually, yeah. I don't think I've fallen for misinformation before. I have misconceptions that I did not clear it. Mm. I have not cleared it myself. But that because like I don't really have that trigger or that the need to clear it. It's only like when someone asks me questions, I was like, hey, I actually don't know whether that's true or not. 
I think it's true. Then when I realized, oh, it's actually not true. So um, like a not so serious kind yep. of misinformation. Yeah, but most of the time I'm quite skeptical about things. So when I don't see evidence, I'm like, hmm, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you would you uh, translate this particular process of uh, wanting evidence and uh, doing your own research into the process for your content and your videos as well? Oh, definitely. So every video we put out there, uh, we prepare a script for it. I do my due diligence. I did my research and I compile all the sources uh, within the script itself. So mm. I mean, I don't really put all the references out because sometimes it can be like 20 links. But if anyone ever asks in, like, in the comments or in the message, that's where I can pull it out and like, hey, I got this information from this website. Um, yeah, so that's uh, what I do for each and every of my video. If there are some facts that I cannot verify, I either go to the experts myself, uh, hopefully if they are in Singapore. Mm. Um, most of the time, they are also my friends, especially when it comes to like nature and biodiversity stuff. So I can go to experts directly to yep. ask them. If not, my video will, it will state the fact as, you know, like scientists are not so sure. I know this has not been confirmed. Like I will state out there that this fact has not yet been proven, so mm. take it with a pinch of salt to my yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, I, I have to be very careful with what I put out there. Yeah. Why do you think it's important to have this level of scrutiny and this level of uh, editorial standards, even for, let's say, like a 30 second or like a minute? Why do you think it's important? Um, well, personally for us, uh, we have been around for three years, so I think we have built sort of a reputation I did not expect that but yeah we did build some sort of reputation that we are the science channel go to and especially for a layman audience who watches our channel they might not have the same skepticism or uh, criticism as like they're just taking it in yeah, yeah they're just taking it in and they do really propagate amongst mm. their community so I think with that right I feel the responsibility a lot more that I have to put out the correct information out there yeah, uh, yeah I think there's once where we did something about El Nino, you know, the weather being hot. Yeah, and I think I uh, in the video, we said that uh, El Nino is coming. Although the, the correct term should be like, it is projected to come this year. It's just, <laughs> it's just funny, but yeah. And I, I think people actually really took that and they wrote emails to um, NEA directly saying mm. that just keep thinking said that El Nino is coming. Wow. Yeah. And then NEA came, came and talked to us. And actually, it's more like projected to come. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and so we corrected it. Um, uh, in our video as well and that's where I realized oh my goodness people are taking our words quite seriously uh, they are presenting our information as what they believe in to our government agencies yeah so and that's where I realized the, the my responsibility as a science communicator and I do not take that lightly <laughs> yeah. do you view it as a pressure to motivate you to put out the best kind of content you're able to deliver at that point in time or how how do you do? Because that sounds like an enormous amount of pressure to uh, get all your facts right, to do this so much research, to put out content while uh, doing doing the things that you like and putting out the type of content that you want to, you enjoy mm. as well. It feels like a lot of pressure. Uh, it does at times, but I think it's good pressure. I see it as a way of improving myself also because mm. every time there's, I research on a new topic, even though I kind of know roughly what's going on, I still have to do my research in depth and that's where I get to learn. And um, yeah, you could call me a mugger. Like, I really do like to <laughs> learn and study stuff. So to me, it's not yeah. that often. So, so that is what we don't see like, basically. The behind yeah. the scenes of the video and the production and everything else. Yes, exactly. So honestly, that part is it's totally fine. It's what I've been doing kind of like all my life and I, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I think it's more of like when I have to translate all this information into something that's more palatable, mm. entertaining to the audience. That's actually the part that is 
challenging for me. The the one that I will, I'm always like sometimes I get stumped and I get a mm. writer's block and I just stay there staring at the screen like <laughs> I have all the information yeah. with me I can I can summarize it easily but the next step will be how do I make it entertaining to my audience that mm. they would want to watch it and learn from it yep. yeah so we're gonna put a pin on that I want to okay. zoom out a little bit you mentioned science and mm-hmm. then you dial it down to physics uh biology and then chemistry and then you dial it down further to just biology and you kept dialing it down I'm curious to know um has it always been uh do you, have you always seen this pattern where you're just trying things out to see what you like, what you don't like, and just kept narrowing down into what you feel most comfortable doing? Because you mentioned about being a researcher, you didn't like it. You didn't like the lab setting, you went to the field, you preferred the field more. Mm. And then after some time, you became a science communicator with the channel. Has it always been uh, this pattern of experimenting with uh, the just just what what one can do with it and then uh, trying to figure out what, they, what, what, what you actually enjoyed? I guess that's the pattern that I've tread on it, but it wasn't part of the plan. Like, mm. I don't think I had- Oh, it wasn't part of the plan to be I a didn't science communicator. With, yes, yes, definitely not. I didn't start off with the mindset, like I'm going to experiment as much as I can. Uh, Yeah, so it happened to be that way because of circumstances. Mm. Uh, So I mean, like I want to be a science researcher and doing my undergraduate days, I'm like, yeah, not for me. Uh, And I did plan to work um at, and parks, like, I mean, that was my kind of like my dream job in Singapore. Yeah. And I did have a contract basis, a uh, contract position with them for a year. Um, not not too bad, but there was there were no positions available once my contract ended. So I'm like, okay, let me see what jobs available, yeah. what, what jobs are there. And just so happened that there was a teaching job at a private institution. I mean, I can, I can share, like, it's called the Learning Lab. And <laughs> yeah, and I was honestly just worried about my school debt. I had to clear my school yeah, debt. Yeah. I still have a like 20K the, in the bank. Like the best of us, yeah. Right, right. So it's really, and I think in Singapore, there's this culture of fig- uh, having your path set out immediately, even before you graduate from university yeah. and just make sure you stick with an iron rice bowl, make sure you climb the ladder. Did you feel that? Oh, definitely when I first started out. Yes, yeah. But um, so I did my, I took on the science teaching job. I wasn't very excited about it at first, but I didn't imagine how much I would enjoy teaching. I stayed mm. there for a full three years. Yep. I wanted to continue staying there yep. to actually climb, you know, climb higher and make it like my full-time career. Yep. I mean, I, it was full-time, sorry. Became my long-term career. And then the channel started mm. um, as a side passion project. Again, I did not expect it to like become a full-time job. I really just did it because I enjoyed sharing about everything around me about science and you know, why not do it in a video format where I can reach out to more people. Yep. Yeah, and suddenly the channel grew and grew and now uh, I've been doing it full-time for one and a half years. Wonderful. Yeah, so um, it's like a life lesson for me also that it's okay to experiment, um, especially when... Y- people are younger, like when they're 20 and 30s, those, those are the best time to actually try out new things because you never know which um, career pathway might click with you. Like, you know, I never knew teaching was so enjoyable and fulfilling for me. Yep. I would have stayed, honestly. And I never knew that I could create, I could create videos and handle a science channel now. Yeah, so it's really so much more, um, there's less liability if you start experiencing experimenting of course while calculating the risk and yep. make sure you're not having a school debt when you're when you're younger because when you're older and you have a family and we have children and mouths to feed i think that's a little bit difficult for you to experiment at point yeah. of time yeah so uh, i would encourage you know everyone you know what's the worst that could happen right you know you know you can just leave that job and try something new yeah yeah i have to ask um this this particular mindset of yours that you're the, the, the way of looking at things right now about experimenting. Uh, did you grow into this mindset or were you always like this? Uh, even back 
when uh, during your schooling or was it always the straight and narrow until uh, you found out that it's untenable for you and you wanted to try something different? Do you remember? Because when I think about, uh, let's say someone pursuing the path of a science in Singapore, I can't really think of much positions because it's so away from uh, the, the, the glitz and the glamour. People know about accountants, people know about ad, ad agencies, design agencies, but I think for science, it's so uh, outside of the spotlight and outside mm -hmm. of uh, the, the, the societal understanding of what, they, what do they actually do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do everything in their labs, yeah. Oh, uh, well, on the... Uh, on the in like in a bigger picture, I do set myself on that that pathway. Like like you said, like science scientific jobs, there are a variety, but not as much. Mm. Um, we are pretty much limited to a lot of it's lab work. Um, science teachers, and after that, <laughs> I'm not sure what yeah, exactly. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, like how my friends became insurance agents. <laughs> so I'm, you know what? Like, yeah. So with a science backing or just insurance agent. Uh, like like they took the same course as me, yep. but they became insurance. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I thought it's some insurance great. for scientists or something. Oh okay, no, okay. no, no, no! I mean, there's like you know marketing for like science lab, yep. laboratory equipment. So those are really cool. But um, like on the bigger scale thing, I I did set myself on this path. Like I'm gonna get my degree. I'm gonna work in a lab. Um, and that's what I've always been. I've always set myself on from the get go. But um, like. Throughout my whole undergraduate, like, I did experiment a lot in terms of trying out new things, but it didn't really like, I didn't switch my main trajectory. So things like, you know, I actually work part-time like at the zoo, um, uh, Lee Kong Chai Natural History Museum. Yep. Uh, I take up a lot of volunteering opportunities as much as I can. So I guess that's a little bit of experimenting. Like I did not tell, I did not shut myself off from, you know, other opportunities and like just say I have to study at home. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, let me try this out. Uh, make new friends, mm. experience uh, new things yeah but all along I've you know like my main goal is still okay let me get my degree and go on this path but you know this path like is wider so I'm like kind of moving yep. meandering around but it's still on the same path yeah <laughs> but I guess it's also about being aware that the path is actually wider than what we can actually imagine mm. because sometimes it feels as though oh we only have this path and we have to stick to this path either because of uh the pressures around us or because of our family or because of our responsibility, we just have this small narrow path. But mm. what you're saying, at least from what I can understand, is that at some point you realise actually the path is a lot wider. Yes, yes. I think it's also like calculated YOLO, I like to call it. Mm. Like, well, what is that? Uh, like you, you can be YOLO, but you cannot just like, you know, throw your studies out the window and ignore everything. So calculated YOLO, like, you know, actually you don't have to restrict yourself to this path too much if you can experiment a little bit you know to a to a certain extent and then go for it you know and see where it might where it might take you because i think for all i mean i read up a lot of like entrepreneur stories and they all started like doing something crazy mm -hmm. and um they might fail a few times but eventually it did work out for them so i i guess that's also a lesson for us like you know if there's not something out there that but it's something that you want to do then why not you start it first yeah. you know you never know if it might be a success yeah you mentioned that uh, you guys have been running this for about three years so I'm curious mm -hmm. to know what has uh, this journey taught you about yourself Oh wow, such a deep question. What has this journey taught about myself? Um, huh. Because you're, you're giving me the impression now that everything was planned out and everything has been going according to plan. Is it like that? Because I'm just curious to know what has it shown you uh, about yourself? Yeah. Oh, hmm. I think for me, 
this whole journey, personally, I feel like there's there's so much more for me to grow as a person and so much more to learn from others. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when we're in a, we now, whether we are studying or we are in our field for too long, we come into this like echo chamber or we our mindsets become narrower and we think we know everything mm. and we know it all. But, you know, after being, creating content and constantly searching for more content, there's always things, new things that I learn every single day mm. when uh, from the people I talk to, even if it's about a topic that I'm already very familiar with, you can go even more in depth yep. into it. Yes, and that's, that kind of humbles me also as a person. Like, you know, um, don't always think that you know everything. You know, there's always, always be humble and learn from others. Yeah, even if it's not in the sphere of science, there's so much to learn about other topics as well. Yep. And other other industries. And I'm always in the mindset of, I want to constantly learn from others. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's the biggest lesson that this, handling this channel has taught me yep. to really just always stay humble and always be keen to learn more and always to have that thirst and knowledge for um, everything that's around me. Yeah. At this particular point, um, do you feel pressure to create and to put out uh, videos and content to upkeep the channel? Because we all know um, these uh, platforms and social media, they are run by algorithms. And mm. sometimes the algorithm favors a certain type of content. It could be the length. It could be quote-unquote engagement and all these other invisible slash visible metrics. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know, do you feel pressure to 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 keep up with with that? Uh at first no, but now definitely like I'm not gonna lie. I think every content creator is gonna feel the pressure, especially when their channel gains a certain size mm-hmm. or it, it is their livelihood, you know, such as for me. Mm-hmm. So it does um I do feel the pressure pressure definitely, but uh, we started off very organically. Uh, we did not start off like uh, hoping that this will be our full-time job. And because of that, uh, more or less, uh, the style of our content did not change and we grew because people liked the way we did things at the very beginning. So on that aspect, like there's not too much to worry about because all our content, we didn't really stray too far from our original post yep. uh, at the beginning. So um, our audience, they, they like this kind of content. They kind of dig this kind of content. Yep. So there's no pressure there. And yeah, I mean, for educational content, it never was <laughs> the clickbaiting factor for social media, at least in Singapore. Mm. Yeah. So to know that we are able to create educational content in a more entertaining manner, that is not like uh, the usual social media content. I think it's something special that we have and we'll just continue, we'll continue to work on it. Yeah. So in terms of pressure, yes, we do feel it, um, but we, we don't sweat on it too much because we started out with such content and it is the reason why we have um, grown our following till today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once in a while when it does badly, I, I am a little bit sad, but we'll, we'll figure out a way. So we, we tweak it in a way like, you know, perhaps we can move this part of the video in front to gain mm-hmm. people's attention, yeah. but we don't change like the whole style and the spirit of what Just Keep Thinking is, which is really to focus on science. So I don't think... You, I mean, even if I do something like beauty products, it's going, there's going to be a science angle to ah, it. Yeah, okay. so, so it always, science, it always has tie back to science. Yes, definitely. So I think it's okay to to tweak things around, but you know, to not lose that, that the, the spirit of what the channel is about. Yeah. You mentioned about how uh, you guys have grown organically about how your audience have known you for a particular style of videos. Is there uh, any particular fears about trying something so different that you might lose uh, 
a part of your audience? Has that has 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 those been uh, considerations of yours about trying a different type of format or a different uh sector of of content or sector of topic to to talk about? Yeah, because people will know you guys as uh, doing science, doing uh content about ecology. But what if you are interested in something else entirely that you want to talk about? Yeah, do you ever have those thoughts? At first, uh, I mean, nowadays I, I am having those thoughts because uh, there's a few instances where we, we did see a dip in our audience, mm. but uh, more or less I'm quite open to to doing all kinds of content as long as, as it doesn't stray too far away from, you know, like the scientific aspect of our content. So uh, if someone proposed to me, so I mean, there's once where we did um, not nothing to do with science, but more of like, McDonald's, like McDonald's nuggets, like, by the way, do you know they have like four shapes, four different shapes when it comes to McNuggets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you buy the 20 piece nugget, you, you realize there's four different shapes. The boot, yeah. the, the ball, the belt. Okay, I, I'm, I've forgotten the last one. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was very interesting and it, there's, there's not really much science to it, but I thought like it was really fun to share my audience so I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's like one of those like non-sciencey content, but but it's, it's, so, it's so interesting. It's still knowledge. So I, I, I don't do it all the time, but that's like, you know, once in a while, I kind of have that those sort of videos out. Um, if it's something that's straight too far, usually I, I don't take it. Yeah, or something that goes against my value. So that one is, that's mm. really important. Yeah, so uh, I think an oil palm company came to us before. Oil palm? O- oil palm, What yeah. is that? Uh, so oil palm, it's uh, palm oil, oil palm. So palm, you know, our oil palm comes from, it's, it's like the key ingredient for a lot of, the materials that we use when it comes to like cosmetics, yep. um, cooking, um, but to in order to get the oil palm, um, may, major deforestation have to happen mm. in other countries, and um, one of the implications that you know the orangutan habitats get affected, yep. and we have haze because of that. So, yep. um, oil palm is like a very big issue in ter- in the environmental scene. So when oil palm com- company came to us and they offered us quite a big sum of money, I'm like, there's no, no, there's no way I can do mm. this with you. Mm. Yeah, so we're very critical about that also. So those kind of content um that goes against what the channel is about, uh, I will flat out reject them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of considerations, but uh, as long as it's not too far from what we do, we are definitely open to it. And usually we can have a science spin to it as well. So I, we did something with like an um like some a company wants to promote the eczema cream. Mm. Uh, and we did a video with them, but we talk about the science of eczema. Mm. Yeah, so there's always a science spin that we can propose to our clients, and usually um, they either take it. If not, we we will not go ahead with the project, lah. We have to stick with what our channel is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's a beauty product, like <laughs> yeah. unless I can say something science about it, I, I cannot. I won't be just like putting on my face and like yep. sharing, asking people to buy it. Yep. Yeah, so those those kind of content, I will not do it. Yeah. Going back to the, the oil pump company uh, approaching you guys, I'm curious to know why 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 is it important for, for you guys to have uh, these sets of boundaries and values to hold uh, yourselves, the the, the, the the company, the entity, as well as the content too? Why is it important to have these boundaries? Because I can, you mentioned that they did offer you guys a, a particular sum of money mm-hmm. and I can imagine as, as a business that would be helpful for for uh, just sustaining the business. So why why is it important to have these uh sorts of boundaries that you guys have carved out and say no, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna touch that at all because it goes against our own values. Mm. Um. Okay. So I think there's two 
two arguments for this. I think the first one, it can be applied to um to any content creator. So if you think of it in the long term, um this short term the money that you get, you know, in this like one this one shot money that you get to sustain you in the short term, right? It might actually damage your reputation in the long term. And you think about it like other if other companies other organizations they know you have this like if it becomes a controversy then what does it mean for you in your channel mm. you might actually get lesser projects um in the long run mm. so i think that's definitely one part to think about when when you know content creators wants to accept like client projects you know think of it does it really align with what your brand is about what your channel is about um and you know the backlash that you might potentially get is it worth it oh. <laughs> so that's definitely one point but Personally for me, because I started this channel whilst having a full-time job and the whole goal is to really just, I'm just really passionate about sharing science knowledge with everyone. Yep. I want to reach out to the mainstream audience and get them interested in science and also uh, get them interested in just learning not learning about the things around them in general. So with that, like um, our own values are very strong and we stay by it or uh, we stay by, we stick to it and um hmm yeah i think that's 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 for me la when i when i consider whether i want to take a particular particular project or not it's really stems from my own values because of what my channel means to others and what we have built along the way and mm. how much people trust us and if i i said i'm someone who cares about um the environment that i have to stick by it no matter what yeah yeah um are you guys at this phase about uh needing to what's the word for it needing to be very particular about the types of video and the types of content that you guys put out to i guess to manage the brand it's not as i would imagine as straightforward as it was because there wasn't a lot of eyeballs on you guys on on, on you guys before but right now you guys have to be very like i guess the word is strategic and calculated with uh not just the videos but with the branding the reputation uh media appearance and stuff like that is are those like considerations now oh definitely <laughs> It's all stressful. So stressful, ah, yeah. But I mean, it's something that you know, as you as your channel has a bigger following, it comes with it. So I, I kind of accept it. So I'm not too salty <laughs> or upset about it. Yeah, I take on the uh, the responsibilities, even though I um I don't think anyone signed up for it. But I mean, yeah, you with great with bigger influencers, there's come there comes a bigger responsibility. Uh, and it's not too bad because I kind of wear specs in my videos. So once I take out my specs, no one can really recognize me. I have to ask, are you <laughs> tied down to the specs and the yellow dress? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to like um, conducting like physical workshops yep. or sharing sessions or just yep. appearing in uh, videos. Uh, that will be like my sort of my, like my uniform. Mm. It's like my character. Yeah. Yeah, but once I, I take them off, then usually people have a hard time recognizing me. The most will be like, you look familiar. And I was like, yeah, you might have seen me in some videos. <laughs> yeah, so um, now that we're more eyeballs, um, I'm definitely more wary about the video I put out there, my actions in the videos, uh, what I'm doing. Um, things like... Okay, yeah, sorry. I I straight away from my thoughts. Yeah, so but it's it's yeah, it's really not too bad. At least still in Singapore, I don't think people are that critical yet. Um and whatever that's out in the videos, I kinda do that in real in real life also. So <laughs> what does that mean? As in um whatever you see in the video, it's not so much it's not 
it's not different from what I'm I am like in real life. I saw a video of you eating the capsicum just like that, and you do that. Oh yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do. So I didn't. I, I had no idea one can just eat a capsicum like that. Raw. Oh, it's really, it's really yummy. Like it's okay, sweet you look like you were suffering throughout the video, but okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, the oh, sorry, capsicum, the chili. You mean? Yeah. Oh no, 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 those are for like video. Yeah, and I think because our videos are really scientific and educational. Uh, I don't really show much of my lifestyle mm-hmm. in there, so um, it doesn't really affect like how I behave in real life. Also, yeah, yeah. So that's one one good thing, lah. I mean, I think I guess one of the things because of now I I talk a lot about sustainability and being caring about the environment. So sometimes uh, I do feel the pressure to practice it in real life. I mean, it's not that I don't want to, but you know, like sometimes things are just easier when you do things a certain way. But I see that as a good thing. It's like I'm holding myself accountable. Mm. I'm making sure that I'm practicing what I preach. And soon enough, that will become a habit. So I, I always see it as a more positive way of also making sure that uh, I do what I say and I walk the talk. Oh, yeah. lovely. Um, being a science educator and communicator yourself, I have to wonder, has there been uh, an educator or an individual uh, that you remember that has impacted the way you think or the way you uh, experience the world? Has there been someone like that uh, throughout your, your your journey? Ah, Well, throughout my journey, I don't really have one particular role model that sticks with me. Mm. I think the role model kind of changes from time to time or rather I, I, I see this, you know, in every single person, there's one, there's something to learn from them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like combine all of those like uh, qualities and attributes in each and every person. And right now, currently I do, I do have a role model. Yeah, her name his her name is Silver Earl. So okay. she's like a marine oceanographer, famous around the world. Um, and she started like learning about the oceans and protecting the oceans since she was like 20 plus. Yeah. And right now she's 88 and she's still doing it. And wow. I'm like, that's hashtag like elderly goals. I want <laughs> to be like her. Yeah, I actually get the chance to be with her on a climate expedition to Antarctica. How and was that? Yeah, that was amazing to see the living legend in flesh and blood right in front of me. Yep. Yeah, and uh, up to now, especially in terms of like climate crisis, there's a lot of people are, are very feeling very depressed and dejected about it. But she always speak with hope. And in every single speech or presentation, it's really crazy that like you can just arrow her to ask her to give a speech and she will say it in the most inspiring way possible. Yeah, so storytelling, her, her way of storytelling is it's crazy. It's something mm. that I want to learn from her and also her way of inspiring hope in others even when things seem bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very important especially with the current state of the world today. So, she's definitely one of the role models that I look up to all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just been a blessing to be with her on the expedition. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned hope because as intriguing uh, as science can be sometimes, the other aspect or the other side of things is always tinged with nihilism mm. or the fact that, oh, the world is going to end in a couple of years. Why why bother trying to mm. save it? And that mm. is quite common talking points with regards to, let's say, climate change, with regards to uh, ecology, where we are on this uh, destruction path that n- no one can, can solve it because it's unsolvable. Mm-mm-mm. Do you think it's important to... to not be positive all the time, but to constantly have hope that 
things can change for the future. How how do you remain uh optimistic and hopeful about things in mm. the middle of all such uh chaos and uh the the, the saturation of information? Yeah, I know, right? Things are like <laughs> unfortunately. There's there's a lot of bad things happening every day, but there's also a lot of good ones. Mm. So um, there's actually a channel on TikTok that I followed, like uh this this content creator. She's from the US, but she talks about she posts a video every single day talking about one positive uh issue or news that happened. So yeah, she really. I think that's a that's a good mindset to take on, and also just thinking. I would think the the correct the word for me will be silent optimism. Mm. yeah so this is something like Minister Lee said before like in one of the panels that um, we, we have to be optimistic but of course not too optimistic that we just ignore that as what's <laughs> happening on the ground yeah. but just take things with uh, silent optimism mm. yeah so that's how I think we have been viewing I, I personally have been taking things on and also there's so much science out there to show you know what's the state of the world and I think the key thing now is a, it's more about moving policies making sure people are putting money in the right areas mm. and really getting people um, into this, um, into this, not say feel, but into this, you know, movement. And also, you know, compared to years ago where we knew nothing about what's happening to the mm. world. Like people don't know how earth looks like from the sky. People don't know what's in the deepest part of our oceans. People don't know what is the problem with our earth. And you know, like things around us, issues such as mental health. But now we know, and mm. that's something good, right? Like we we are depressed because we know, but now, <laughs> now we can do something about it because we know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something to be celebrated about because we. I rather know what's going on than to not know and all. Like just pretending the world is fine. Yep. But now that we know what the, where the issues lie, we can do something about it. And it's it's always not going to be easy. Like mm. you know, difficult problems don't have easy solutions but we have to start somewhere yep. uh, yeah i think it's it's like this messy piece of forest that we have to go through but we are going through it and mm. we are not alone also there's so many people out there doing such great work yep. and you know the more that we can bend people together we i i really do believe we will find a way out and even if we don't you know i mean like you either take on the world like mm. upset and depressed and angry or you take on the world being more happy and with positive vibes. You know, which will you choose? I'll choose the positive one anytime. <laughs> positive vibes, yeah. Yeah, so honestly, that, that's how I, I view things. Yeah. Mm. Do you still feel a sense of wonder when you look at the world? Because you have seen so much and much of the world has been discovered. Mm. A lot of the world, if you go down to like species, you go down to a lot, a lot, of, the, a lot of those things have been discovered. Do you still feel a sense of wonder when you trek through the jungle, when you go through, when you go to the, 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 the beaches, do you still feel, feel a sense of wonder, even though you've seen it so many times already? All the time. All the time. <laughs> All okay. The time. What 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 does it feel like though? Yeah. Um uh personally, because um for me, as I enter like the marine shores, for example, there's always um it's like a little like Pokemon treasure hunt. <laughs> like you really don't know what you can find. Mm. Every time you hit there, when the when uh, the next day the tide comes in, tide goes back, they bring in a new set of animals, and it's always like rarer ones, um, not so easy to find ones, and so that keeps me like motivated. You know, oh, what am I gonna discover today? And personally, I've been guiding for like almost three years, mm. <laughs> and every single time, of course, I, I, there are some animals that I will see. Um, every single time I head down there. But it's because of the people that I bring to, it might be their first time and I want to evoke the same sense of wonder in them mm. and to see them being excited 
sing this cucumber that I've been seeing like for the past three years of my life. <laughs> but seeing them going like, wow, I've mm. never seen this before. Why is it pink? Mm. Oh, is it start to fit now? Yeah, and that makes me really, really happy and excited because they they get to feel what I felt at the beginning and hopefully that nurtures that, that love for the environment in them also. So I think bringing new people to experience nature is something that keeps me going and it reinvigorates my wonder for, for nature as well. Yep. Yeah, and in fact, like there's this sea anemone that mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it like, oh my goodness, ever since I started. And there was a paper, that, a news article that published just two days ago that it is a new species in Singapore. Like it took 10 years for the scientists to find out mm. that this particular anemone that Singaporeans have been seeing it for the longest time, they finally like officially um, have a report that it is a new species that might only be found in Singapore. Yep. So I'm like, nature always surprises us. Yeah. So. Is it going to be our country's mascot? <laughs> That would be quite cute. Yeah. Uh, bye-bye authors. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as, as we wind on the conversation, I'm curious to know, we are in Singapore mm-hmm. and we live in Singapore. What is unique about the ecology of Singapore? I ask this question to you because every time when you have conversations with people about Singapore, they don't think about nature. Yeah, they think sure. about, um, I guess, outlet malls, they think about malls, they think about fashion, they think about food, but nature always seems to be one of the things that is on maybe the middle or towards the last. People don't quote unquote come to Singapore for nature because we don't have a lot of it. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to know what is unique about the ecology and the nature in Singapore? Well, well, oh, sorry. Well, I think for Singapore, we are in a very unique position. So yeah, it's true. I think when people t- talk about Singapore, it's especially for people overseas, they would think about, you know, the metropolitan city, the urban landscape, our sky, our MBS, <laughs> our buildings. <laughs> But the cool thing about nature in Singapore, we, I mean, Singapore used to be a jungle, island state. We used to have, we used to have tigers roaming around. Also, we've been told that, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And, um, I mean, we slowly chopped down our forest because we have to urbanize and develop rapidly. And currently, we we try our best to preserve what we have right now. So, Singapore is so unique because our nature area is not too far away from us. We are trying to coexist with nature. I think that is something not every country can say that they do that. Like, they have specific nature areas in maybe like different states or you have to drive like eight hours away from the city area and that's mm. where you get full on nature. But because we have limited land, we have limited space, we need like buildings, uh, like HDB buildings. So as much as you care, it's more about integrating nature into our everyday lives. Having nature just right at the heart of our island, our central catchment nature reserve yep. is right in the middle. Gardens by the Bay itself has a lot of nature mm. and it's like one of the most touristy areas in Singapore. Um, having nature just right at our doorstep. So I head to the beach, the beach like nearby, there's airport right beside the beach. So it's really about how can we coexist with nature? How can we modify the urban areas such that it can actually accommodate nature as well? And even for things like otters. Mm. Yeah, I know I know. there's a lot of news about <laughs> otters like rampaging all around <laughs> yeah. the island. But you know, in the wild, it is so hard to find otters. To find a wild otter... Um, I have a friend who was a researcher at NUS, a lecturer researcher, and he actually said that he, like, when he went to, I think it's Bangladesh, I'm not sure which country, to find the otter, he has to trek through the mangroves oh, day and night for weeks mm. just to find that one otter that was like, scurrying around and hiding straight under the mud flats. Yeah. And you know, he has to go through all of that just to see one more yeah. otter. And right now here in Singapore, we have them like kind of like, <laughs> run <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. yeah, so in a way, it's pretty amazing how Singapore tries to, how nature has tried to adapt living in Singapore and how we have also 
try to coexist with nature. Um, having otters around, I know people are making noise, but you have to remember that, you know, in other countries, there's no way you're going to find mm. otters roaming around in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the really unique factor of Singapore that I always try to share with people that, you know, we are urbanized, but we are really trying so hard to coexist with nature. And we're always constantly finding ways to make that happen. Yeah. Mm. And from your perspective, what challenges do you foresee Singapore facing in the near future? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Because I can imagine you would have a different perspective based on uh, just the knowledge that you have and what you've experienced mm. and you being in the field. What do you foresee Singapore facing? Because I feel that a lot of times Singapore, we like we, 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 we like to, it always feels that like we're taking one step forward and two steps back sometimes. We mm -hmm. like to uh, do things for the new and sexy. We like to incorporate all these new things, but we tend to discard away what has been working especially when, when I talk to different people, let's say in gardening, in farming, mm -hmm. in food, it always feels as though something is uh, sacrificed for yeah. the sake of innovation and modernity. So I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, what do you see some challenges that Singapore might be facing in the future? Oh, wow. Um, can, I say, can I say things like climate change? <laughs> sure, <laughs> but what do you mean by climate change? Okay, okay. So, um, so with things like, I mean, now that I'm, I'm more like talking a lot about climate change, I think a lot of the issues that we are facing, including like sacrificing certain part of our culture, it does has links to climate change. So for example, we are an island state, so sea level rise is very important. And because of that, um, the, the government is putting a lot of money in terms of making sure we protect our coastlines, having um, our islands raise seawalls. And in order to build that, we have to either reclaim more land to build the seawalls or we have to destroy certain habitats for it. So that's mm. where we lose some of our nature. Yep. And it's very hard to fight that, you know, if the government says like, we got sea level rise, what you want to do? Like, water <laughs> and just let everyone drown. And this, how, how are we supposed to argue with that, right? Yep. It's so difficult to argue. Yep. And also with that, we wanted to hit like 30 by 30 goals. So I think that's where the, com the farming comes in because honestly, to have a plot of land uh, and grow, grow like crops and vegetables through the traditional, more traditional farming method. You know, in, in, I think in, in terms of the government's eyes where they can have multiple layers, agro-technology, where you can have more gain, more yield yeah. uh, by spending less effort and time and money. I guess in the government's eye, it does make more sense. Yeah. And since we have this like 30 by 30 goal, then the government will be all more on board with it. And why do we have that goal? It's because of, you know, climate change. We... Yep. Uh, rely on our imports. We import like 90% of our food, but we want to grow our own so that if anything happens to other countries yeah. and they don't, they're not going to provide for us, at least we can still self-sustain. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I think all these issues, more or less, you know, like it's indirectly um, linked in one way or another. We are really just trying to survive as a nation. So, mm, challenges. Yeah, so I think because we're trying to combat climate change and other issues as well, we sacrifice other things mm. um, that are trade-offs and yeah is that the challenge I think the challenge is really like how can we balance that right how can we still keep our culture and certain traditions alive mm. while still facing the challenge of the current era where things are changing climate is changing um, food our food prices are getting affected overseas mm. and whatever happens overseas, there's nothing much we can do yep. about it. Yep. The war affecting the fuel prices. Yeah, there's also not a lot. If like countries do not want to supply some certain resources, then we're going to be affected. Yeah, so I think that is key. 
and it's above my page. Uh, I I hope, yeah, the high ups, so they're doing something about it. <laughs> I think my last question to you is, what is something that we should really be discussing that we are not, well, that is often overlooked? Do you mm. feel that there is a topic like that? That, hey, this is really important that we should be talking about, but we are just not talking about it. We are overlooking it. Is there something like that that comes to mind? Ah. Mm. That is of importance to you. Oh, personally, for me, I would think it's about the environment for okay. me. Yeah, environment yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the bigger scale. In, in the bigger scale, it could be a lot of uh, like just about, all right, okay. Things like sustainability, climate change, environment. I think we do talk about it, but we're talking about it on a very surface level. I don't think we are looking like beneath the layers and looking more in depth into what it actually means. Yeah, so, so for example, like there's a lot of hype about recycling in Singapore. Every, every household knows about recycling. Every auntie knows about it. Yeah, but if we take a deeper look, recycling is really not the solution. In fact, it should be the last resort. We should reduce our waste because mm. if you've been to recycling plants, it's so much effort to recycle them. And a lot of the things cannot be recycled. So things like textile, uh, plastic, they still have to be incinerated. So, if, and recycling gives off the impression that, hey, I can just consume as much, mm. it will be recycled anyway. But mm. sometimes like, I feel like the amount of effort and resources we put into recycling, right? We might as well just <laughs> not recycle. Because there's also a lot of energy being pumped into recycling itself. So yeah, so there's, there's a lot of nuances when it comes to like all these issues. And it is the hype right now. I think everyone knows about the It makes us feel good when we recycle because exactly. it feels like we're doing something. Yeah. In fact, there's now like, there's areas where you can like donate, like there's, they call it textile recycling bins. And it's a good initiative. But I fear that now people have more, they have more justification to buy new clothes because like, hey, I can just recycle my old clothes. Yep. Yeah. So that's dangerous, right? We are going to consume more in the end and ultimately it doesn't really help the earth's issue and what's happening around the world. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like we are talking a lot about climate change and nature sustainability, but I think we have to go one step deeper and um, break out of the echo chamber and really see things uh, more in depth. Wonderful. Um, and where can people uh, find your stuff online? Oh, you can check out check us out at uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So our channel is called Just Keep Thinking. Just Keep Thinking. And on Instagram, it's Just Keep Thinking SG because Just Keep Thinking is taken. So <laughs> <laughs> Taken by who? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. But when we started, I was like, ah, it's taken. Okay, yep. let's put an SG behind. And I believe you conduct tours as well. Oh yeah, we yeah. do, we do. So uh, our tours are on Eventbrite, but we do post, we do like promote them through our social media channels. So if you're interested in nature, nature guided tours, we do like the marine shores, our night mangroves tour, yeah. sometimes our forest tours. And we also have um free workshops and sharing sessions from time to time. Yeah. So if you follow us, then that's where you can get the most updated information. Yeah. So Is there a need to... uh? Is there like an age uh limitation or like a like a uh like you need to be outgoing over? Is there like any of those? Or is it just available for anyone that might be interested? Oh, we accept anyone and everyone. So I mean, kids, I guess adults, kids. Yeah. Uh, usually age three and above will be will be um more suitable. Uh, we do have people carrying like three. babies. That's <laughs> insane. Okay. Yeah, but it's more of like uh, you're gonna be tired now because yep. your kids were. Sometimes like after two hours, they are tired. They will ask you to carry. <laughs> then you have to carry them throughout the whole two hours. So we kind of like give a heads up for the parents. And if they are okay with carrying the kids, I'm like, sure, go ahead. Or sometimes night mangrove tours, uh, it can be dark. So yeah. that's where we tell the parents, okay, like um, if your children is really terrified of the dark, uh, mm. then maybe it might not be suitable. But all in all, we're going to have touch sides. We're going to be in a group. 
and we do take the time to make sure the kids get comfortable. So more or less, we accept everyone and anyone. Wonderful. Uh, Thank you, MJ, for the conversation and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.